we're like, there's nobody going to use this on wood bats. Like the tradition of baseball, 130 plus years, everybody's using a wood bat with like sticky pine tar and nobody's going to use our tape. And what do you want to do? And we both looked at each other and like, he's a pro baseball player. We should probably do it. And so we did. So we made this super thin version. He started using it. He got tons of other players to use it. He connected us with Major League Baseball. We were able to go to some shows through Major League Baseball invitation. And ultimately that landed us a license with Major League Baseball. So we became the official back grip of Major League Baseball. Crazy. One of about 12 companies, 13 companies in the entire world that have that on-field license with Major League Baseball. Truly had no idea how special that was when I got the license. Um, but I do now. It's freaking cool. Um, <laughs> you know, like Nike has a license and Under Armour has a license. And, you know, Louisville Slugger and Wilson and Rawlings, like big, huge companies. And, uh, and Lizard Skins. KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor, and friends, we are now in December, wrapping up the year and looking toward a new one. Before we do, though, um, before we end 2021, I wanted to end this season of podcasts with two amazing conversations. One on this episode with Brian Fruit from Lizard Skins, and then another coming out in the near future with a person who has been a titan in the sport of cycling and endurance, but that'll have to wait, so stay tuned for that. But for this episode, I was fortunate enough to get connected with Brian and expected well, I, I'm not sure what I expected. I, of course, like you, know the brand Lizard Skins, um, but I did not have any idea their reach, not only into cycling, but also into sports like hockey and baseball, like you heard on the intro. Brian Fruit's passion for bikes and cycling is about as obvious as his passion for his business and after I had this conversation, there is little question in my mind why his company is so successful. I want to get to that conversation right away, but before that, like I mentioned, it is December, the beginning of December, and with the change of weather, of course, all over the country, it means a change of guard or rather maybe a changing of the bike's. It is fat bike season, folks, and uh, all over the world, we just saw Global Fat Bike Day, and I was, uh, I got to experience my very first Fat Bike Day here at our local event hosted by Epic Mountain Bike Group. It, it was amazing. I was blown away by the amount of people there out to ride fat bikes, 
and celebrate the outdoors in freezing December, although our weather was pretty incredible. Um, and just celebrate the bike community with um, tons of food, a lot of great riding, and of course, plenty of beers. Um, while I was there, I spoke with a few people, including Steve Wickham, who ran our local event, and then Chad Nicole Cottom from Spin Cycling, who um, put up a party tent kind of midway on the course. So yeah, so let's hear um, a couple of those conversations I had with them at Global Fat Bike Day. And as you will hear in the background, people are having a great time. So it's a little loud, but uh, yeah, you, you'll get the point. So let's hear from this year's Global Fat Bike Day. So this is my first global fat bike day and I know it's global there's multiple you know it's all over the country but how long has this one in mid Michigan mid Michigan been going on well by the way since it's global that means it's going on all over the world not just the country did you know that thank you yeah you're welcome <laughs> so global fat bike day actually started in 2013 and it everywhere really um, that's when it was born I guess and yes there was a global fat bike tier day here in Sleepy Hollow in 2013 the very first year um, I wasn't here till 15 I think it was and by 2015 it had grown to 35 riders it was awesome it was a nice cold crisp morning um, and we talked about what we wanted to do next and the next year all of a sudden we had 50 riders and the year after that we had a hundred and um, we we, we uh, topped out in 2019 with 245 riders and then um, this year we just barely t topped that with about 250. So, and they kept straggling in. So that's an estimate, but what an amazing day. We had a perfect day. I, I was surprised. I expected, um, knowing you, knowing other people in the Epic crew, I thought it would just be a lot of people I knew. And I pulled up, I didn't know anyone, oh which God. was amazing. It is amazing. And, you know, even I, I had a great time. You know, we, we had online registration and, and we closed that at six. And that was a way for people to sign the waiver ahead of time. But it was a way for me to kind of gauge, you know, who's coming. And I went through the list this morning very early. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, holy mackerels. There's a lot of people I don't know. But I also know that we have people coming from all over the Detroit area. We got friends here from Cadillac, Kalkaska, Holland. People have come to the center of Michigan to ride at Global Fat Bike Day. And so, um, you know, it's a great party. Look around you right now. We're still having a great time. So. Yeah, that's it's great. And I think you, you hit it. I mean, it is a an amazing party. And uh, it's something cool to look forward to when maybe it's not the, the, the main part of the season. You know, you exactly. don't have races, all this stuff. But yeah. this is... This is one of the coolest events I've, I've been to all year. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, honestly, we've been hearing that all day. And, and a lot of smiles. Um, you know, just the fact that you can get out in the first week of December, because uh, it's the same time every year. And I, I know people are looking forward to this. And it's not just because they want to be here. It's because they want to be with these people. And they want to be on their bike. And I'm going to tell you, if it was... 25 degrees out and four or five, six inches of snow, we'd, they'd still all be here because this this is the time where it's like our chance to be together again. Um, the season's over and, you know, what else is on the calendar, right? Yeah. For mountain biking, not much. <laughs> so, you know, this this is going to be a regular thing and, and I, I see it growing, uh, not just here, but everywhere. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. This is awesome. Thanks You're for welcome. putting it on. Thanks for all the work you did today. You're welcome. I'm really glad you came. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Ask 
Alaska's first. <laughs> I don't know. This is my first global fat bike day. And you guys have... I've been waiting for. Yeah, I, I don't have a... Wow. Now I have a fat bike, but... Um, <laughs> So uh, tell me about the party tent and the party island. I'm here with uh, Chad Nicole from Spin Cycling, and I want to know all about what you guys are putting on for everyone. So we got some beverages. Um, how long have how long have you been doing the party island? Uh, this is our second year of Global Fat Bike Day of the Party Island. Uh, the first year we had uh, an island theme. It was tropical and it was amazing. And this year we're doing the lumberjack theme, and everyone's dressed in their lumberjack attire, which is fantastic it's very impressive now uh usually when shops come to like a a ride or an event yeah. the the support is mechanical things and you oh, know like support is, um, it's a little different chad like what do you what do you you're what are you doing yeah i'm pouring drinks didn't bring a single tool <laughs> <laughs> perfect we're stoking the fire <laughs> yeah. we have a dog yeah i think i think the vibe is exactly what i wanted and um i'm not sure about expected but uh this is uh this is a lot this is perfect so well, if you can imagine we're right by a big body of water and beautiful trees and super sunny and there's about 100 people here and it's great Everyone's not a not a single person being serious right. not a single person yeah. i love it thank you guys for uh helping out and putting this on and uh yeah we will uh have some drinks at the parking lot later. Cheers. That sounds Cheers. like a good plan. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>
So it's a twin cylinder, twin pipe, twin carb. And this is kind of the beginning of a cafe racer, right? Like this is where they started. And I just love looking at it. You know? Oh man. So just it just uh the lines, the design, it's just like art to me. So you uh um, so you mentioned Alejandro Valverde. Um oh, are all, are all those man. jerseys uh Movistar? And then the other one is um what was the other uh, world champion? Yeah, Miriam Nicole with Coleman Sal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um they are uh, those are Movistar jerseys. Um Alejandro Valverde uh, is I'm a big fan. So uh-huh. um I guess you're not supposed to be like a fanboy when you're running a business in the cycling <laughs> industry, but I think I, I, I don't know, man. I think that's like authentic. If if you can still well, remain a fanboy after all you've done, um, I think that's that's pretty cool. Hey, listen, um, we're already in it. I'm jumping in right away. Is that cool? <laughs> you got it. The guys at Movistar, when I go over, um, they allow me to come over and, and hang out with them for a day during the tour. And, and I think they I think they like working with us because they can just see that I'm such a fanboy about it. Oh, um man. But I speak Spanish too. I think that's a, a big thing, right? So I speak oh, Spanish. And definitely. so getting to hang out with them and just, I just love it. It's just one of my favorite things in the world is, oh. is watching the Tour de France. Like, Man, I am, uh, I am jealous. What a, what a, what a unique and cool experience. I'm sure that you have to see it from, from that perspective, um, knowing that your product and brand is as uh on those bikes and helping out in in that way hey so i'm sure everyone knows of lizard skins and um lizard skin and your brand but not a lot of people or fewer people know who brian fruit is and uh, i'm wondering if you could maybe just already with our little bit of conversation i think uh we're getting an insight into who you are as a as a huge cycling fan but um tell us a little bit about yourself and uh in terms of cycling and just and yeah yeah you bet um i went to school um college university whatever you want to call it uh, at byu okay. um and there's a legit problem with parking, which I think probably exists at all universities. And uh, one summer I, I stayed here in the area in Utah. Uh, I'm originally from California, and but I stayed here because you know, it was it's really fun in the summer. And uh, I worked hard and I, I bought a mountain bike. Um, it was a giant ATX 770 and uh, it was white with black accents. I remember the bike well. And I just fell in love with mountain biking. So we'd go to Sundance and uh, and ride the trails at Sundance. Uh, I would ride up the hill and then I would ride back down. Uh, didn't have budget for a, for a lift pass or anything. I just ride up the mountain and uh, loved it. I just fell in love with cycling. And it made me look for some type of a job or a career in the cycling world. Um, it's kind of really how it came about. There was a, a company um, called Reflex that um, was here in in Salt Lake. They sold to Look, um, the people that make the great pedals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and ultimately it didn't work out. And so they liquidated um, the inventory and, and closed the company. And I was involved in that um, inventory liquidation process. And I sold, um, I would go up and buy some parts and then I would sell them to friends and I'd buy more parts and sell them to some stores. But over uh, six weeks, I sold $30,000 for the parts in 1992. Oh my God. Um, made, made a little money, um, bought my wife a wedding ring and, and uh, which she didn't know that's what was happening. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd make, make a little money and I'd make a payment against the wedding ring, saved a little money and we got married um, uh, later that year. Um, and, uh, and I kind of just knew, like, I just, I want to do something in the cycling world. And so January of 93, Lizard Skin started officially and we did $350 of sales that first month. Um, so it was nothing. I mean, it was just so small. Right. Um, and now we've got, um, just under 40 employees. We sell in uh, over 80 countries. Um, we sponsor some of the absolute best athletes in the world. Um, if I took you around the rest of the building here, you'd see about five of those, um, world champion, uh, jerseys hanging on the wall. Oh, wow. Those made a lot to me. Um, those are, those are some of my very favorites that are in my office, Sure, um, but they all mean a lot to me. Um, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, we're just a huge fan of working with the best athletes in the world. Um, even though we make kind of a small product, you know, being a mountain bike grip or handlebar tape, um, but working with these premier athletes is, is, it's just a huge thing. It's a, it's part of our DNA as a company. So that's, that's amazing. So in my garage right now, I have this old nineties, 26 er mountain bike that, um, last year, my friend Sheldon and I converted these old nineties mountain bikes into like drop bar, um, kind of like gravel grinders, but yeah. like, uh, we kept the shock on there and everything. But, uh, as we were going through that, um, I had one of the old, uh, probably had a chain the chains. Yeah. On. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I remember it, it's old and kind of crummy. And I said to Sheldon, ah, you know, I'm going to take, he's like, don't take that off. You got to keep that thing on. But that's, I think one of the first products that I remember lizard skins for, um, when you started lizard skins, what were some of those first products? Honestly, I don't know how many millions of those chain stay protectors <laughs> we've sold over the years. Um, cause we've been doing this now for 28 years. Um, we started our 29th year in January. Um, that was, that was our first product. Okay, um, cool. You know, I, had a, I had a partner when we very first started, he and I worked together for eight and a half years and then I bought him out. Um, and, and originally we made simple neoprene and Velcro accessories. So we made fork boots, chain stay protectors, headset seals, you know, back then headsets, they didn't work well. Like there was no good seal. So dirt would get in there and it would ruin the headset you know, on one, one ride. Mm -hmm. So we made a little neoprene gasket to kind of protect that. Um, we made a rear suspension boot. The seals weren't as good now then as they are now. Um, and so, yeah, we started with that. Then we added grips, um, slip on, you know, rubber molded grips, craton grips actually made our first batches of those right here in Utah. Um, now we have like four different factories making grips for us. Um, in different parts of 
United States and different parts of the world. Um, so they just little by little, we added to it. We added gloves to the, to the mix. Um, then we, we had this opportunity and we went and visited some factories um, and we were looking for the holy grail of a new mountain bike grip. We were trying to figure out new technology from other industries. And, and we were kind of hitting a brick wall um, when it came to finding that new technology for the grip. And uh, right as we were leaving this factory, um, this office um, for the factory, uh, my general manager, Brad Barker, um, who was with me on the trip, he just said, can you guys make a, can you guys make a tape for us? They're like, oh yeah, we can make a tape. And uh, over the next nine months, you know, we worked together and Brad was the lead and uh, made our first legitimate handlebar tape, um, you know, DSB, uh, DSP road bike tape um, that is used by uh, Lotto Sudal, uh, Movistar, and um, a ton of other amazing athletes. Um, and it was literally one step at a time, you know, let's get the feel, let's get the link, let's get the adhesive, you know, let's, and when we rolled out two thicknesses, we actually rolled out one thickness, 2.5. And then a few months later, we did a 1.8. And since then we've now added thicker at 3.2 millimeters. And then we have a ginormous one now that's 4.6. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, yeah. Super comfy, a little harder to wrap than, than the others. Sure. But once you get it on, it's amazing. So the handlebar tape just took off. Um, it didn't immediately, by the way, had to leverage everything. Um, you know, I've got a very uh, supportive spouse that has allowed me to uh, use the house as a credit card many times. Oh gosh. I, I think that was a, yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to ask. You went from being in a warehouse or a, or a factory to saying, um, you know, Lotto Sudal uses the the tape and all these other uh, world tour teams. I, I can't imagine the journey from that factory to now. Um, and obviously, yeah, like grinding and uh, yeah. leveraging your house. Like what, how do you, how did it go from um, the idea and the prototypes to now you're invited to um, be a part of the uh, Tour de France with these guys, you know? Yeah, it was a long, it's been a long journey. Sure. Um, I mean, when we very first started, you know, it was uh, lizard skins effectively was like a six foot table in a spare bedroom of the house that we were living in. Um, I mean, that's how small it was. And eventually it got a little bit bigger and I moved it into my dad's business. Um, interestingly enough, he had a wide hallway and we put shelves in the wide hallway. And that was the beginning of lizard skins. I think he had one spare office that I was able to use. Um, and then ultimately we moved back. Um, the, during that time we were in California. Um, I graduated from school and my wife had graduated from school and we were living in California. We moved back to Utah and, and bought a house that had a large garage and um, put a wall up and started running it out of the garage. And then eventually my wife found a, a nice building for us in the same city that we were living in. And she says, maybe we should buy this building. And uh, I was scared um, to buy the building, but she was excited and, and pushed. And so we bought the building and, and gave us a little bit more space. 
And when we bought that building um, was when another branch of my cycling love um, really started to develop. Um, the city wanted us to have a retail operation inside that building. So I actually opened a bicycle store. Um, it's called Tempanoga Cyclery. And, um, you know, fast forward now, it's a, it's a pretty large store. Um, wow. It's, you know, uh, primarily focused on specialized, okay. but uh, sell a ton of bikes and uh, high-end bikes, a lot of S-Works, uh, a lot of mountain bikes, a lot of e-bikes now. Uh, and then that was our first building and um, we ran it there. And then a couple of years later, <clears throat> one of the other stores in the neighborhood decided that they would be happy to sell to us. And so we bought that one. It's called Bike Peddler. And, um, and we bought that one. We've since built purpose-built new facilities for both of those stores. And they're amazing. One is about 7,500 square feet. The other is about 8,500 square feet. And um, just super high quality stores with amazing team members and amazing repair facilities. Um, Man, so I feel like you are, I, I would say fortunate to be able to experience um, it's probably great for business, great for you to get these perspectives of the cycling industry on all sides, um, from being a brand and a manufacturer to, um, retail, um, you kind of see it go through the entire process. And, uh, sometimes there, there might be a disconnect between customer and product. If you aren't part of that retail side. So do you, do you yeah, do you find that to be pretty beneficial? For sure. Um, like we're sure somebody that will listen to this will, um, will find that we've, we've, we've got a fault somewhere, but sure. we try <laughs> extremely hard with the map program. So to make sure that our product is sold, you know, at a, at, at a price where dealers can actually make a living. Um, and, and I learned that because of my own stores of how important that dealer network is. Yeah. Um, and so in packaging, you know, I walked into the store one day and I saw gloves laying on the ground, you know, from different manufacturers, the packaging had ripped. I saw grips that, you know, had packaging that ripped and, you know, there's a chain of staples trying to hold it together. And, <laughs> and, and so I really do use um, our own stores as like a laboratory to make sure that we have good quality packaging, um, you know, that we've got the right barcodes in place and, and that we make it so it looks good for a longer period of time. You know, I don't, you want to have, if you look at most of our packaging, you can actually touch the product. Um, so we, we've tried to design it such that, that we keep in mind all this. And then the programs we do, um, you know, we're not a big, you know, bike manufacturer with crazy programs. We try to make a program that's, super easy, um, for dealers to be successful with. And, um, and just, we try to keep it positive. One of our philosophies in, in business is, is sugar rather than vinegar. Um, that's, that's how everybody wants to be treated. Um, is so we don't want to actually have this mean, bad attitude about anything, you know, let's, let's try to, even if there's a problem, let's try to find a good solution, you know, and try to, Try to have them leave with a good experience, a good taste in their mouth, so to say. 
So obviously, I mean, you you explained that you kind of got into the industry because you're a huge fan of, of bikes, of cycling, and you're and you still are, which is a is apparent and obvious. Um, but I don't think those that enough can um, get you to a successful uh, career in the cycling industry. You have to be um, motivated in different ways, and I'm I'm wondering where else is that motivation. Um, coming from or what what else is your motivation and i mean you mentioned earlier that um when you were a part of the other company and they sold out and you made a quick 30 grand in a month or something like that so obviously you have some business motivation um what else what so, yeah what what other kind of motivation yeah, is so, going on here? so to be sure i sold 30 grand on their product i didn't make you know 30 oh, but you sold I, 30 I did make, <laughs> yeah I, I, I probably made five or six on that okay, okay. <laughs> um which was still great right i mean yeah. that's when a full-time wage was 18 grand at a you know big five accounting firm um my grandpa had his own businesses they were always unique businesses uh, at one point he used to raise uh, 30,000 um, white Chinese geese a year. And then they would sell them to the cotton farmers and they would eat the grass out of the cotton fields hmm. um, before chemicals became um, the way to control weeds. They would organically, you know, it was, it was sure. organic before that was a, a thing. And, um, and so that was grandpa's business during, you know, it was about a three month period. He'd raised these geese. And my dad had his own businesses Um doing electric motors for um, big companies, you know, pumps and stuff like that. And, uh, and then I just kind of fell in love with the cycling thing. Um, I'm a driven guy uh, for sure. Um, I want myself to be successful. And I also want my team around me to be successful. Um, and, and one thing that's been kind of interesting, um, Utah is popular now for, for business and for cycling you know, 93 probably wasn't super popular. 95, 96, well, I wasn't like the Mecca um, for cycling that it is today. So we didn't hire a bunch of people that worked at some other cycling company. The people that we hired were just good people. And so we created a lot of our own programs and plans in a vacuum, um, which I think almost turned out to be a huge benefit for us because hmm. um, we just did business like, business, good business, you know? Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm still driven, um, today and still put in long hours. Um, you know, I do make sure I get some vacation time in and my daughter is a senior and my youngest daughter is a senior at, uh, one of the local high schools and she's part of the NICA program. Okay. So I, I made sure that I was off work uh, early on Monday so I could go and I'm a ride leader, one of the coaches uh, on the team, oh, awesome. ride leaders. And so we got a great two and a half hour ride in um, on, on Monday night, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, my next ride's tomorrow night um, with the team. So I've had three of my four kids go through and be part of the high school mountain bike team. And, um, something I personally love and enjoy and, and uh, try to be a, and a helper in those spaces. That's, that's so great. Um, let's go back to your, the, the tape. And, uh, is that your kind of flagship product right now? It is. Um, so the, the cycling handlebar tape, I mean, it was, 
when people touched it or wrote it or you know, put their hands on it, they would almost always overcome the, the purchase price. Uh, we make it in a different factory than, than all of the other tapes in the world are made at, um, and it's expensive. Um, so that's a was a thing to overcome for a lot of people. Sure. Um, that's where we came up with the slogan, you know, touch it, feel it, love it. Um, in the beginning, it wasn't really happening, um, but there was this, this tragic accident, actually, which turned out to be a, a benefit in the end. But um, Johnny Hoogerman was um, bumped or hit by a press car in the Tour de France and knocked off the road. And he was on the Vacanza team. You may remember that, but he hit a barbed wire fence and pulled the post out of the ground. Um, anyway, Johnny managed the press after that crash so well, and he was had such a positive take on life that myself and frankly everybody else in the world just fell in love with him. Um, you know, he acknowledged it as a as an accident and that it wasn't malicious and that he was disappointed, but um, let's move on. And uh, so everybody wanted to know everything they could about Johnny Hoogerlin, you know, um, the guy in the, you know, polka dot jersey in the Tour de France that got knocked into a barbed wire fence. There was two of them that got hit that day. The other guy um, managed the press very differently. And I don't, I don't remember his name, um, but everybody remembers Johnny. He was like a, immediate rock star he was so popular and as they started going through and looking at his bike and his shoes and his helmet they also looked at the components of his bike including our handlebar tape and oh my goodness it just went crazy wow. people started buying it and we ran out of stock and it was like this pivot point um and so if you go into my conference room there's there's two jerseys one is um from johnny hoogerland and the other is John Buck. Um, John Buck played a very different role, um, but he had a, a huge impact in getting us into Major League Baseball um, with a derivative of that same handlebar tape. So they are important athletes in, in our business. They didn't, you know, Johnny's never been to Utah to my building, and, and um, but, but how he managed himself was turned out to be a big win for everybody that was involved, you know, with, with, with that team at the time. Um, sometimes, I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but right place, right time. Um, it could have been anyone else's handlebar tape on that bike. Yeah. How did you, how did you manage to even be, um, or even have a deal with a world tour team before that? Yeah, that was our first, that was our first deal. Okay. Um, we reached out to them. Um, Which and, makes uh, it even kind of a cooler story too. <laughs> yeah. So it was, um, you know, the, one of the sales guys that we had had uh, connections and he says, this is probably something you should look at. And uh, it was a, it was a bit of a change for us because, um, you know, prior to that, we'd done a lot of mountain bike products, a lot of BMX products, not as many road products. And he says, really, you need to have a, pro tour team. And so we took a gamble. Um, we had hoped that they were going to become a pro tour team. They were a pro continental team, mm -hmm. but, um, 
the writing was on the wall, that it looked like they were going to be allowed and invited to be a pro tour team. And so it was great. Uh, it turned out to be a good experience and, and we're still super involved. You know, we've, we've had as many as three teams at one time and as few as one uh, right now we have two and, um, you know, super excited to continue working with, with those teams. Um, I've got um, Vuelta wins. I've got Jira wins. I don't have a Tour de France win. Um, I, I, you know, I don't want to freak anybody out at work, you know, but I kind of uh, tease that, you know, I can't retire until I get that yellow jersey. Um, I don't want them to think that I'm going to retire the day that I get it. Um, but it, it, it's so hard to get. Like, oh, yeah. Ah, oh, you know, it's so hard. Like, it's just elusive. I mean, and that's a perfect, you know, Mario Andretti won the Indy 500 in 1969 and never won it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's this consummate expert pro, right? Like, he's he's got all the backing. He's, he's got the pedigree and couldn't pull it off. Like, it, Tour de France the same way. Like, you think it's going to be this team and it turns out to be another team. And it, you just don't know with weather and crashes and and then you may have somebody that shows up that nobody's thinking about that you know kills it yeah so, so i um i i feel a little ignorant but i don't really follow well i i do follow a little bit of other sports but not enough if i to know like the uh brands that make the different products for baseball or hockey and then all of a sudden as i'm hearing about more about lizard skins and you like i kind of had no idea you were involved in baseball and hockey and kind of just going way beyond just cycling tell me about that a little bit i mean you bet um so we had um you know my general manager brad barker here he has uh, some boys that love baseball he was using our handlebar tape for a grip on the bat. Had another dear friend um, that I I learned a lot of mountain biking with him. Uh, we'd go on adventures together on the weekend. And, um, his name is Mark Wilson, and uh, he has three boys. Um, and, and he was using the tape on his kids' bats, and um, they were both kind of I say whispering in my ear, but it's probably more like um, screaming, screaming. (laughs) And so we decided to go ahead and and give it a try. And we made um, some, we modified the tape, made it in different thicknesses, different backing, different adhesive, different pattern, different packaging. And and we rolled it out for baseball. And um, we, I'm sure lost a ton of money year one but it was buried inside of the lizard skin cycling sales. So we don't really know how much we lost, Sure, (laughs) um, which was probably a benefit. And then, um, but the people that bought it, like started to buy it again and again. And we're like, we just need to pour some gasoline on this. And then we had the opportunity to, to um, start working with stores. And then eventually um, this awesome guy by the name of John Buck kind of jumped into our life. He's uh you know, a native here in Utah um, was an actual pro baseball player and wanted to go to a trade show. The trade show was sold out and he asked if he could share our booth and we're, we're quick to make good decisions. And we said, Oh yes, yep. You can 
come on in. We're going to have a pro baseball player inside of our booth. Yes. So at this point, do you need? at this point, there was no relationship between the two of you. He was just looking to get a spot in, at the trade show, yep. and it just happened. That's it. <laughs> and he was thinking this would be cool to have a product business once I retire. And and so he's there at the show. He's, you know, we talked him into bringing some of his bats and wrapped the bats, and he's there playing with these bats and feeling them and talking to people about his product, talking to people about ours. And at the end of the show, he, you know, kind of talks to Brad and, says hey like this is good like if you made this thinner i would use it and i think other pro players would use it Mm -hmm. so brad and i had a talk you know after the show was over we're like there's nobody going to use this on wood bats like the tradition of baseball 130 plus years everybody's using a wood bat with like sticky pine tar and nobody's going to use our tape and what do you want to do? And we both looked at each other and like, he's a pro baseball player. We should probably do it. And so we did. So we made this super thin version. He started using it. He got tons of other players to use it. He connected us with major league baseball. We were able to go to some shows through major league baseball invitation. And ultimately that landed us a license with major league baseball. So we became the official back grip of major league baseball. Crazy. One of about 12 companies, 13 companies in the entire world that have had on-field license with Major League Baseball. Truly had no idea how special that was when I got the license. Um, but I do now. It's freaking cool. Um, <laughs> you know, like Nike has a license and Under Armour has a license and, you know, Louisville Slugger and Wilson and Rawlings, like big, huge companies and, uh, and Lizard Skins. So, <laughs> It's been cool. Um, we get to work with you know some of the best athletes in the entire world. Um, you know, we've got uh, Eric Hosmer, you got Mike Trout, Hugh Mookie Betts. I mean, we've got dozens of just amazing athletes um, that, that we get to work with. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, and they love our product. Um, so it's, you know, if you turn on a baseball game, you're going to see our product. I can't think of two sports. You, you mentioned like uh, that, you know, the tradition of baseball and they're not going to put it on wooden bats, but I, I can't think of two sports more like steeped in tradition and probably harder to break into oh, yeah. the industry than road yeah. cycling and baseball. <laughs> and somehow you managed to do both. <laughs> yeah, we're solidly entrenched in both. Um, you know, then we modified the tape again and we rolled it out for hockey and that's been really fun. Um, you know, hockey was really stopped during COVID. Um, so we're, we're seeing some real nice uptick in hockey right now, um, because things are more open. Sure. And then last year, um, during COVID, you know, it felt like the world was coming to an end. In June of last year, we launched um, our uh, latest grip category, and it's for gaming devices. So Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, uh, a gaming mouse. Yeah. Um, So we make grips for all of these um, gaming controllers, and it is blowing up right now. Um, Super, super cool to see. 
but all these different spaces have allowed us to continue to develop more and more cycling products. Um, we've got several, um, you know, half a dozen new cycling products that we're rolling out, um, you know, in the very near future, because we now have more money for designers, for, you know, um, searching out factories for R and D, um, you know, for trying to make sure that we get all of our IP, you know, intellectual property protected. So our brand name, um, is, is safe, you know, from the certain bad people out there that don't like to mess with, you know, companies. So just being a bigger company has allowed us these additional resources so we can have better health insurance for our employees and, and better PTO program, more vacation days. Like it's just cool to see that we've been able to have this journey and, and still be absolutely core and focused on cycling, but able to create a big enough company to offer, you know, legitimate careers for people. So it seems though that it's not necessarily like a change of focus, but a wider focus. And I love that right. you're saying that the the baseball and the hockey and the gaming all kind of uh, contributes to um, that comes back to cycling or comes back to just the strong brand that helps you be a, a stronger company and with better employees or treat your employees better or support your employees. Um, and I, I like, I guess you, you mentioned COVID and one thing I was thinking about is a lot of athletes during COVID were kind of like, what do we do? And there's no races, there's no, you know, um, and we, a lot of like, uh, a word that a lot of people use is pivot. We had to pivot. We had to figure something out. A lot of companies had to pivot a lot of, and so when I initially was hearing about baseball and hockey, I was wondering if that was a pivot for you, but right now it doesn't really sound like a pivot. It sounds like just a, a wider net that you're casting. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's painful. Like at the beginning of COVID, our business dropped 65% overnight. Uh, it was scary. Um, but we, honored and um and and completed all of our contracts with all of our athletes whether it be in baseball or cycling um so we that was awesome you know we 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 lived up to all of our commitments um, which i'm proud of um and interestingly you know some of the team sports stuff definitely took a hit and didn't recover as quickly um, from covid where cycling, you know, after about three months of everybody not knowing what to do and everybody being afraid, cycling started to take off. And it has been on a nice tear um, for probably the last 15 months. Um, but then, you know, baseball started to come back and then hockey started to come back. And so um, it's been, a, it's been a, a process to try to make sure that we um, have the proper inventory in stock for all these different um, businesses. We have dedicated teams for each. So I've got um, a sales team dedicated for cycling and a sales team dedicated for sports. They don't necessarily overlap. Um, you know, I do have some people that are cross-trained and obviously can answer the call and, and um, hold down the fort if everybody's at lunch or something. But um, we have dedicated people for, for each side. And um, I mean, it's allowed 
you know, by being a bigger company, I've just, I've got a better computer system. I've got a better warehouse. I've got amazing staff, um, you know, from, from accounting to warehouse management. Like we just have smarter people um, because we are a bigger company and, and that's cool. Like it, it builds on itself. Right. So it just like, you know, you can really do some amazing stuff. You mentioned new products down the down the line. Are you looking to expand your uh, offerings to different sports, or are you just kind of going to keep focusing on what you're doing? And uh, all, I'm just thinking, I play a lot of tennis. I'm not sure why you're not in the tennis game. I mean, it sounds like this would be an obvious um, utilization of the of the grips. But um, but anyways, are you are you going to try to yeah, stay focused? We absolutely on- we absolutely have new products um, that are in the pipeline that are being designed now. Um, there'll be some racket sport products in the future. Okay. <laughs> um, I won't get too much more specific than that. Um, I will say this. Um, we are more about breaking into a market um, that that has a need than, than going into a market that already has a lot of solutions. Um, Makes sense. For instance, there really wasn't somebody providing um, the full solution that we have when it comes to um, baseball, there was back grip. Don't get me wrong, but nobody was calling out the thicknesses. Nobody was offering multiple thicknesses. Nobody was offering the technology that we brought to that. Um, so that was a big deal. Hockey, there was nobody making the wrap. I mean, you had athletic tape, but nobody that would make something with the technology that we had in it. So it's harder for sure to break into hockey and try to establish yourself and and um, and break down some barriers, but then you're first. So if we go into tennis today, there's what, 20 different people making tennis rap. And so, you know, don't, don't count us out there, but um, watch for us to go into markets where we feel like that there's a, a market for us to create. Um, that seems to be our favorite thing to do. Um, we don't mind a challenge. Um, and then, um, what was, what was your other part of that? Um, I think, I think that was, that was kind of it. I mean, are you, are you looking to expand to other markets or just focusing on, on new yeah. and approved products in well, the markets you're already in? We're, we're going to expand into the current categories that we're in and we're going to expand into some new categories, but we also have a core philosophy that we just don't want to deal with like high liability items, bulky to ship items, um, you know, we, we probably are ne- never going to make a bicycle. Like it's just not part of our core philosophy. Handlebars probably not going to happen. Um, you know, things that a helmet probably not going to happen. Anything that kind of has high liability to it isn't going to be something that we're going to chase uh, or anything that's crazy bulky because we work with 80 different countries. So, you know, it needs to be easy to ship. Um, you know, to those people, but, but we do have some fun stuff in the pipeline and, and, uh, but it'll be similar to what we're doing now and tangent to the spaces that we're in. I want to kind of circle back to those couple stories that you told. Um, one of the, uh, Johnny, um, Hoogerlin, Hoogerlin and yeah. then, um, who, who was the other Joe, John Buck, John Buck. Um, yeah. 
not Joe Buck, Joe Buck, <laughs> but uh, I just I'm I'm kind of struck by one could think you were you were a lucky person, but the more like I hear you talking about um, not only your passion for what you do, but also the building blocks and leading up to where you are now, it seems like this was no accident. And there was no accident that you had your tape on uh, Johnny Hoogerlin's bike. And it was no accident that you were there at that um, trade show and had your brand ready to go so someone that was looking for a solution saw it. Um, I, I just I think there's a difference between luck and then creating luck or you, you know what i'm saying yeah i mean we put ourselves in the right spots Correct. Like we, yeah. we definitely try to put ourselves in the right spots um but there's just these you know somebody somebody uh shared a phrase with me uh, a couple months ago that i thought was was amazing they're like your your forest gump moments you know yeah. what are your forest gump moments those are a couple of them for sure you know like you just put yourself in the right spot and then bam, you know, an above average thing happens for you. Um, and with that said, I mean, I think we've helped a lot of other people along the way, um, you know, with sharing information and, and, and being helpful. Um, and so I think um, we've been also fortunate that, that that's come back, you know, call it karma, good fortune, whatever you want to call it. But uh, trying to be a good company, trying to be good people, um, you know, has paid off because other people then have tried to be good back to us. And, uh, and it'll be a laundry list if I shared all the names of all the people that were influential and helpful, um, you know, for our brand to get to where it is, it would be a huge list. Um, I'm just, you know, to some degree, I feel like the monopoly banker, right? I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to manage all this, trying to, keep this game going and, um, you know, keep all the, keep all the pieces in play. Um, it's been fun. I mean, it's been a cool career. I've been able to work with amazing people. Um, I wake up every day doing the stuff that I like. Um, you know, I, I'm not super fast on my bike anymore. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, but I love riding and, and I like road riding. I'm probably more, I mean, my big favorite thing is mountain biking and um, COVID's helped with that. Like I had a lot of other fun toys and I got rid of a lot of them. Just like, ah, you know, I really like my bicycle. My bicycle's really where I'm happy. Just fun. And, uh, you know, I find myself like each year, like early in the season, like I got to get my new bike figured out, you know, can't wait. I can't have, you know, I don't want to get stuck without a bike this year. And, uh, so I'm, I'm on the prowl, I'm on the hunt, trying to figure out what my new bike's going to be. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to put my new grips on it and deck it out with, with my lizard skins items and then just go have fun. Man, that's, so, again, I think that's uh, rare for someone in the industry. It's so, so much a part of the industry to still have that love and passion for, for cycling. I think it's motivating. It's a... Uh, I, I, I love to hear that. And, um, yeah, I just, this whole, this whole story I think is kind of motivating for someone that likes to be a part of the industry or likes to be a part of, of the whole cycling scene. And, 
Um, I, I love cycling because I think it has longevity. Um, you can ride a bike for forever and, um, I hope to, that's what, that's what I love about cycling. And, and it sounds like on the other end of, you know, someone that's involved in, in the industry of it and, and brands and all that, it's, it's cool to see you still loving it as well. Yeah. There's so much change and there's so much new things coming out. I mean, e-bikes have, have, and they're controversial in some ways and they're awesome in others. And, and, you know, I wish people could see both sides, but I have retired people come into my stores and they're not spring chickens. Like they're 70 mm-hmm. and they're buying two, you know, they call them with specialized, it's a Como, but they're like a, a city bike and they're upright and they got a big seat on them and they got a little battery. And, and here's this 70 year old couple they're like, we want to go ride bicycles. We want to get out and exercise. And they ride them up and down this paved trail here called the Murdoch Canal Trail. And they, they buy two Comos and a rack. And, and um, you know, they come back a month later, two months later. And like, this is so much fun. We're really loving it. And um, it's just great. It's super cool to, to see that and have that experience and, and, see people out on the trail, you know, got another guy that's a customer in the store and, and, uh, you know, lost a leg, um, very fit guy, very outdoors oriented. And, you know, he jumps on a, on a, on a Levo and snaps in, uh, you know, his, his prosthetic to the pedal and off he goes, man. He can now get on all these trails that he's, you know, wants to ride. That's awesome. Um, it's really cool. And, and then, so the, the additional access that we're seeing right now and the ability for more people to get out and ride, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, I don't get to spend as much time as I would like in the bike stores, but I do have a lot of friends that will call me and say, Hey, I'm looking at a bike. I'll, I'll just drive over to the store and meet them. And we, we talk bikes for an hour. Like it's, you know, I don't know. To me, it's like a, it, it's like a Utah bar, you know, let's go hang out in the bike store. Yeah. Um, you know, other people are like, Hey, let's go get a drink. You know, a lot of my buddies are like, Hey, let's go to hang out in the bike store and talk bikes. Um, and it's just cool. It's a cool environment and, um, you know, it's healthy and, um, I, you know, I can, I hope to continue to do this until, you know, I can't do it anymore. Until, uh, until you get a yellow jersey from Tour de France? I'm telling you, <laughs> it is just it's the, so hard. The elusive you know? jersey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at it. It's just tough. So, yeah, I mean, who would have thought? Um, but we're, gonna, we're still in the hunt. So we're still in the hunt. We, got a lot, we get a lot of stage wins. You know, we've won some of the other ones. You know, we've had great success at the Giro, great success at the Vuelta, great success in the World Championships um, and the Olympics. Um, you know, so uh, That's, we'll get there. Yeah, it's not over. Brian, you this know. was a this was a blast. I I really love to talk kind of talk shop, I guess, with you a little bit and hear more about a brand that. Um, I use and I know of, but it's, it's so much cooler to, um, put a face to, to a brand and hear about 
lizard skin story but but also your story I, I have to ask about the the name lizard skins i mean is it just as oh, obvious as story. it sounds or like a tough it's a good story okay yeah, it's, a good, for it. it's a good question so um my old partner um was from arizona and uh one of his brothers was going to one of the universities in arizona um and had a project where he had to come up with a name and a logo and so he came up with the name lizard skins and the and the original kind of yin and yang lizard logo with the gear around the outside mm-hmm. and my partner a couple of years later is like maybe it was a year but no more than two it's like are you ever going to do anything with that logo that name it's like i don't think so so like, you mind if i use it for a company he's like yeah go ahead and that's how it started man um once things got going well i think you know my old partner had to you know settle up with his brother, you know, sure. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what he did, but he did something. Um, <laughs> and then we've modified the name, you know, many times or not modified, the, but we modified the logo, the artwork yeah. and the logo and stuff like that. Um, and kind of made it more current, but uh, that's how it started. And uh, he yeah, probably gave well, his brother like a hundred bucks for the, for the, he might have. <laughs> I mean, but it wasn't a big deal, right? Like, I mean, our first month, remember, we did $350 of sales. Yep. <laughs> so, um, these things are all about just, you know, frankly, outlasting your competitors and working hard and being honest and and um, trying to put yourself in the right place at the right time and, um, and hustle, man. Just hustle, hustle, hustle. But I think we've got a great name and and reputation with our customers of of providing good quality product and and uh and trying to help them be profitable um i i was thinking about this just the other day of you know if you look at how much product we've sold and then you know we sell it at wholesale or we sell it at oem price or distributor price and then that product is is sold at retail you know, there's a lot of people and a lot of other businesses that have um, flourished um, by you know, being a part of the supply chain um, with the lizard skins. So it's it's pretty exciting, you know, to think that um, you know there's there's families in Germany or in the UK or Canada or you know South America, Colombia that have been able to put food on the table because of you know, the little small thing that we started on a six foot table in the spare bedroom of a house. I didn't own the house. It was just when I was living. (laughs) So cool. What a great story. And, um, yeah, man, thanks for, thanks for sharing it with us. I really, really appreciate it. And if you want to come up here to Utah, uh, we can literally ride from my house. I did splurge and I got myself close to the trails uh, a few years ago and uh, I loved my old house um, but I moved to one that was literally right next to the trails and I jump on my bike it's a dream man <laughs> I ride down uh, I don't know 800 yards of asphalt and I'm on a trail amazing um, yeah it's it's legit and there's a lot of trails like we could ride for a few days and not cross the same trail that's awesome so it's fun to see like there's so many new trails. That's another thing that's exciting that's happened honestly in the last five or 10 years is, you know, partly due to NICA, partly due to the cities and, and 
but they're building trails closer to where the people live. So you don't have to put your bike on a rack and drive it an hour or two down the road. Like you can ride close to your house. And, and we've been involved in a ton of those um, trails here in our own backyard, um, you know, working with the cities and, and helping sponsor them with some, with some cash, but also, um, you know, through a trail grant that we do on the cycling side each year, we do a trail grant um, to three different trails. It, it doesn't get a trail built, but it's a spark that helps um, be the catalyst for other people to jump in and put money in as well. Um, and so that's something I'm super excited about is knowing that there's trails all over the United States that we had some involvement with. So that's great. Um, I always think about cycling is such a, it's not, it, you have to be kind of of well means to, um, unfortunately, uh, what's the, uh, there's a, there's these barriers, you know, of yeah. you know, trying to get into cycling. And I think, um, road cycling, of course, there's a, there's a barrier because the equipment's expensive and then you are on these dangerous roads and all this stuff. And then also mountain biking, I feel like sometimes there's a barrier just because the good trails are far away and far away from where people live. So I love to hear like, if you don't have access to a car or you don't have, um, you know, access to other ways to get to, uh, good trails, then they're right there for you. They're right there for everyone. And that's, yeah, that's great. It's, it's changing. I mean, I've served, um, on three, I've served as a consultant or a helper, whatever you want to call it on three different city councils, um, three different neighboring cities here. Um, either where I live or where a business of mine is located, helping them with these master plans of the trails and how important it is and how people want them. And, um, and other big businesses, not putting myself in the big business boat, but, you know, Adobe has been huge at helping build trails here in our area. Oh, really? Hmm. That's a big business. Um, but, uh, but it's been cool. Like they, they've named some of the trails and they've built them and and so we're seeing it. Um, we even got some developers that are just awesome guys that like get it right. They're like, this is what people want. They want a house right here and they want trails running through this development. Oh, and so we're seeing that now and it's exciting. Like it's uh, snowballing um, where we're getting more and more trails. Um, and it's, it's fun to see. Um, I, I feel super blessed for him at it's, it's a gorgeous view, but there's the trails and I, I love it. Some people will use them for running. Some people walk, you know, on them. Um, but there's a bunch of us that love riding our bikes there. And uh, it's, it's, it's a cool place. Sounds amazing. Come out. Let's go for a ride. I, I, I'm there. I'm totally there. <laughs> I may not be able to keep up, but I will have a little home court advantage. So. Oh, no, you'll be fine. I'm, I'm much more of like... <laughs> I'm not really a, much of a mountain biker, so I think you'd be good. <laughs> oh, well, then yeah. yeah. Um, good job. It'd be fun. Yeah. And there's some great road riding too. I mean, it's just cool when you, you go to work and you see 20 people, you know, at different parts as you're commuting to work on bicycles, you know. It's yeah. Like, it's, it's just, uh, it's a fun space, right? Like there's a lot of ways to make a living in this world. And I'm glad that I picked a fun space. That's a great place to end, man. Thank you, Brian. I, I appreciate it. It's a great conversation. I I really, I'm happy we talked for sure. Cool. Thanks a ton. 
The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Mid-Pack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast. Email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by myself, Trevor Gibney. A huge thank you to Brian Fruit for taking the time and joining us on this episode. And thank you all for listening to the Dirty Chain Podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack. <laughs>